0: This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during, workout needs, as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. are again. We find ourselves once again in the back seat with Wait, Carl. In the back Pulling. seat. Welcome to the. Who's show. driving this thing? Uh, this is the fun part <laughs> about not uh, actually being in a car. Is you can sit in
1: whatever seat you like. I'm in the back seat of my office.
2: I don't care how many seats there are. All four of us in the back seat. Yeah, too I'll many take people. the middle
3: seat. For
0: <laughs> That's that is a Nick move. <laughs> Um, that guys, as you can hear, we are joined today by some illustrious guests from the Reclaiming Reality podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, where have you been? It's fantastic. It's uh, we we see them as a spiritual sister, and I don't yeah. mean that in a, like a jive jazz way. I mean okay. it in a a fellow traveler way on right. our path towards um, enlightening discussions, etc. Uh, like so, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? we're not
2: traveling anywhere because we're all in a backseat. <laughs> right, in an immobile <laughs> I'm not car. letting this go, Chris. And here's the thing. With, with COVID,
0: uh, where would we go anyway? We're going to walk around Target with like a, a, a suffocation slavery uh, device? Who was it that said the masks were slavery?
2: Every woman named Karen.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair There's enough. been a lot, a lot of Karens out about, so why, why don't you uh, introduce yourselves and maybe tell us a little bit about your show to get started uh, before we dive in today.
2: Well, cool. Yeah, so I am Ben Pock. Guys, believe it or not, I, I ran the numbers. I did all the calculations. I am, as of this moment, your most frequented guest that you have had <laughs> on the show, so that's true that that means it's my second time on wow. however i win so is take it really that. just
0: the second time mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it's just the second time man i guess it is well welcome back and in the interim
2: you've started your uh, own podcast with some of your mates yeah man so nick is on the line he'll introduce himself in a sec i'm sure but we're we all met in college we went to the same place out in uh, Colorado. And we're having a bunch of discussions kind of centered around theology that had to do with stuff in our culture. And eventually we said, hey, man, uh, let's start talking about this. We were actually in coordination with some of our other friends from college who started saying, guys, we want you to just record these conversations. So we said, sure, why not? Bought a few microphones, started recording them. And now we call it uh, the Reclaiming Reality Podcast podcast and the only reason the third guy isn't here today is five people on one podcast seemed like a little much so we gave charles the night off. Uh, yeah. Hey, do you want to say hi man?
3: Well, he's really Yeah, he it. really. Let's he be has. He's been working like a bull. Um mostly in the gym, but also for the podcast. Um Yeah, I'm Nick. Uh, ben everything Ben said was right so I can fact check him there. Um
1: Oh, good. Oh, if
3: if Ben is the most frequented guest at two sessions now, then that means I'm only one behind him. So I don't feel so bad That's where <laughs> I got myself.
2: The second well, most I, frequent guest exactly. on Carl Poole. So
3: close that distance. <laughs> um,
0: with a big a big tie. Yeah, I am.
3: I am super excited to do whatever it is that we do on carpooling apart from getting my legs cramped from sitting in the back seat with the three of you guys. But um, <laughs> but nice. yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's right get on. into
0: it. And uh, Tell- Hunter, do you want to introduce yourself? Just because I feel like, the, I, I just feel like you haven't been contributing enough lately and people might have forgotten about you.
1: That's right. My name is Harry Potter and I am the boy who lived. Um, <laughs> I killed your father. Prepare cast... to die. Yeah.
0: <laughs> endure, hey, endure speaking of speaking of terrible terrible teen novels, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you know that uh, I think it's Stephanie Meyer uh-huh. is rewriting the Twilight series yeah, 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 yeah. But from, from oh, no. perspective, from the vampires' perspective. Oh, no. So good. Oh, like,
2: so oh, good when no. will
0: this ever end? Never. And then, like, oh. <laughs> th- then there's like the fact that. Uh, Fifty Shades of Gray is just—it started out as Twilight fan fiction, but in like, like an Twilight office, Twilight BDSM fan fiction. I'm just yeah. saying, like all these terrible novels are just like an incestuous jumble of like very, very hairless boys. That's the other thing. I, I, what, I hate to—I hate to on. focus in on here from on. the beginning. No,
1: <laughs> no, you have to stop right now, sir. You have to stop right now. What about right. Jacob?
0: Okay, How here's the thing, though, Hunter. <laughs> okay, okay, that's exactly what I wanted to discuss. I'm assuming oh, no? that's the name of the werewolf.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> okay. Yes, in assuming. his in his werewolf form, incredibly hairless
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, or hairy, rather. But mm-hmm. then you see that guy with his shirt off. He's like that's a, a very oh, he's like a very rugged baby. I rem- So
2: <laughs> as a pale rights I- activist. I have to point out how difficult it was for me to be going through high school at the time the the Twilight Saga was being released, because Mm. everyone and their mother thought it was the funniest thing to come up to me and ask me if I sparkled in the sun, because apparently the vampires are all super pale, and they sparkle in the sun. So, if you want to get bullied in high school, that's a great way to do it. So, I don't like the fact that they're rebooting that series, because I'm not ready for that abuse. Wait, but now it's from his
3: perspective, right? So Oh my gosh, so I own so the narrative. So you, you might have you something to tell. You finally contribute. get to tell your story. <laughs> <laughs> this is your this is so your this turn. Is now this I'm on. This is your top. turn to turn the turntable. Set the record yeah, straight. Exactly. It's yeah.
0: it's a beautiful story if you haven't read it. It's about a uh, a otherworldly <laughs> pedophile and his his mm-hmm. uh, pursuit of a of a high school girl, even though he's Mm -hmm. like 700. So that's disgusting. It's cute. But so are most things these days. And now J.K. Rowling, who just years ago was like, sure, Dumbledore's gay and and Harry's retarded and uh, (laughs) Jenny's crippled later, maybe.
2: Anyway, now don't say Dumbledore on the podcast, Chris. <laughs> I,
0: I love how she's incorporating everybody into the, you know, their own little oppression category, and she's like, "Not trannies, not on my watch." <laughs> <laughs> turfs are my favorite people on planet Earth. I love turfs because they're just. They they prove what we all know, which is that you can't have it both ways. You can't say that there's such thing as biological sex, mm-hmm. and that some people are born as a different biological sex, and there's this brain chemistry surrounding it, and simultaneously claim that gender is just a construct. Like I love it. It is. It was the first uriborian peak. At the serpent eating its own tail, and it warms my cockles. I don't know about your guys' cockles. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that at all. I feel I guys, feel dirty. if we're
2: all in the back seat, I do definitely do not want to be discussing all of our cockles.
0: Ben, I can guarantee you, you have cockles, and if you could shift just six inches to the left, <laughs> that
1: would be fantastic.
0: Good God, six. Uh, Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> enough about enough about children's literature. I can't believe Nick brought that up. Yeah, uh, let's <laughs> let's get into it. So uh, we're happy to have uh, reclaiming reality on the show, and we think we've got a topic that honestly would it would work well in either of our shows. So I'm glad we get to discuss it together. Right uh, you know what they say, two heads are better than one. Um, Hydra's heads was, are
1: better than those.
0: No, see, a lot of people think it was a, a quote made popular by Hydra, but originally uh-huh. it was Darth Maul. So, Hunter, is true. yeah, give us this week's roadkill, so we can get past this nonsense. Oh, and also, I, I just real have to say, I'm,
3: I'm really grateful that Hunter has not yet called me Andrew on the show, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that changes. Am, My twin brother, I'm I'm tried. He he might make a special appearance in a little bit, so just stand by for that. I'm we tried. we should
0: say that. Uh, we've, we've been talking with, uh, Ben and Nick for, I don't know, a couple of years on and off about different things, just right. sharing ideas and whatnot. And Hunter being the, uh, the immense social intelligence that he is, Thank has you. called Nick Andrew since time <laughs> immemorial, since he gave
1: he me has... permission to, he didn't realize <laughs> well, what all, he was <laughs> doing.
3: <laughs> wow. You're yeah. right. I definitely did not. <laughs>
0: you have all the social skills of a young Brett Kavanaugh in the mind of Blazey Ford. I'll just put it that way.
1: Um. (laughs) That's so touching, because that brings us to our roadkill this week. Uh, Typically, Christopher, uh, the roadkill segments are about something that has just been murdered in front of us, and we kind of laugh about it, and that's great. Uh, But this week, it is about someone who will be perpetrating some roadkill. So this headline is just a stinger, and it comes to us from Newsweek. And it says, Mitt Romney dismisses concerns over more conservative Supreme Court. Says, liberal court isn't written in the stars. Um, to quote my friends at Wait. DMX, Romney gonna give it to you. <laughs> no? <laughs> I love, okay. Hold on. Yes?
0: Let's break yes? it down. First things first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, really good I disagreed. I disagreed with a lot of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's policies. Sure. Not all of them, however. Sure. Um, it's important to remember she did quite it's a, tragedy a few that she's things. Yeah. that it, Quite a few things that I think everybody, every reasonable person can agree with. Right. Um, now, the majority of what she did later in her career, obviously, I disagree pretty, pretty strenuously with, uh, yeah. not the least of which was... Her defense of of, uh, an uh, upholding of Roe versus Wade. So that definitely I disagree with. However, and and let's not put too fine a point on it, but disagree with great effect. I think it's one of the worst decided uh, Supreme Court rulings as well as one of the most disastrous. Uh, So we can leave that alone. We've talked about it before on the show. Uh, She was obviously a woman of great consequence, in the American political sphere, and I, won't, I maybe not a tragedy. I mean, she was she was quite old. She lived a full
1: life. She, she had, worked. Um, she had pancreatic cancer. It's it's terrible that she died. Right. You know, it, that's that's what I'm trying to say. So, so our our thoughts and our
0: prayers are with her family and her friends, of course. Correct. And as as um, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, of which she is one, say, uh, may her memory be a blessing. But uh huh. But that being said, the absolute insanity yes. that's happened afterward. has been uh, adorable. I, I don't know how hot these cockles can get before we have to call the fire department. Um, did you guys it's did you guys see you. the video of the uh the there was two videos of like lefty weirdos in cars. Um I, I yeah, actually saw I like, saw like four
2: at this point. Wow. Really? Yeah. Which have just been absolutely hysterical. And this has been a moment for me what I don't know if you guys have ever been on to leftist Twitter. And no, not one site. Really just like any leftist Twitter page. It's one of the funniest places. Like, I go there. Ben, it's called Twitter. (laughs) Excuse me. one of my favorite things to do is to click on trump's latest tweet and just scroll down and just like see the people with vitriol like he'll be like have a great day and people will be like I, you can't have a great day because you've oppressed women and it's just like so That's fun fair enough. but fair enough. i will say one of the things i really thought was a class act was every conservative person that i know or follow posted mm-hmm. nothing but love and respect for ruth gator bit, for um rbg the night she died ruth gator <laughs> i was and trying ruth to ruth i was gator. trying to merge her her and myself ruth gator bensberg you thought ah, we were I just see. gonna
0: have a, a, a philosophical religious topic discussion today on the show but ben's actually dropping his latest cipher
2: right um, anyhow you guys always yeah. wondered my celebrity crush um No, but that was really cool seeing. and the only vitriol I saw on on the social medias that night was the left getting ready to fight the right. It was absolutely bizarre. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed the same thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that one girl in that video is literally screaming at Ruth, who's now deceased, saying, how could you not live until 2021? I thought that
2: video was a joke when I first saw it. I seriously did. I was like, there's no way this is not satire.
0: Yeah, there's yeah. only there's only so much lithium in the world, and I don't know. There was one that made me kind of sad, which was the girl that was uh, saying that she saw a, a pro life sign, and now she wished she hadn't been born. And uh, th- yeah, that one was kind really of sad. Too. But the the R- it, the R B G one was just mm. well, we'll have to send it to you, Nick, because uh, the the one's sad, but the other one, and I I tweeted it I, I tweeted. what i think is is a quality advertisement idea i think we're going to make this it's just going to be what conservatives do in the car and it's going to be a clip (laughs) from carpooling and then what leftists do in the car and then have this girl just shaking the (laughs) steering wheel and freaking out anyway all right (laughs) so let's pull it back together so yes instantly i will say the only the only the only non-reference i saw from the right was (laughs) louder with crowder has had a long running now of no. ruth bader ginsburg being a skeleton mannequin on <laughs> the show and they chose to bring it back this week she's been in third chair i did actually
2: see that today but hey to be fair oh that was not night of they gave it a few yeah. days
0: yeah <laughs> they let it go the weekend and uh I, I think that maybe maybe it was a little classless. Maybe instead they could have just had a bunch of dead baby skeletons. Oh, my God. Um, at any Chris. rate. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I, Look, <laughs> uh, I, there's a time for reverence, of course, and then also we need to be realistic about what those policies do. So No, that's fair. Uh,
1: I get that. But uh, I just... Anyhow. I, there's been so much conversation over, you know, how these, what you could call the, the little R Republicans are going to take this, and then... Uh, today Romney kind of came out with this statement and I was just like well there go the hopes and honestly I don't necessarily I don't think we need to get into it but I don't necessarily like think the temperature and the conversation around this in the in the country is healthy at all Uh, nor am I convinced this is necessarily the right thing to do is to add a justice but I also kind of look at everybody going like what did you think was going to happen like, are you, are you mm-hmm. kidding me? You know, like that, that's the, that's the part that kind of gets me is the, uh, hypocrisy that you see a lot there, but anywho, there you go. So, uh, I, the I liberal think I court is not with destiny.
0: Oh yeah, no, we will have another justice and I, I hope it's Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, I think she's a great choice, uh, for, for a lot of reasons. Most, most important is her textualist read of the constitution, which was a, a completely opposed, notorious rbg's reading of the constitution which i think is wrong um yeah anyhow and and you know what interestingly enough i think this is going to weave back into our topic a little bit f- through a very bizarre avenue so maybe yeah. we'll move on to that but it, it, it is very funny hunter to your point to see to see romney go his his approval rating with the left is just it's the great american scream machine it, it is, is the of highest of highs and the lowest of lows.
2: Yes and you're no. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly. I actually think
1: Robbie's singing that to himself right now in the shower.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, speaking of somebody eating some word word salad, how about how about uh, Lindsey Graham? You can use these words against me. Okay, we will. <laughs> that was a <laughs> pretty unfortunate unfortunate word choice on his part. Yeah. But uh, you know what, Hunter? I think yeah. I, I think I w- might agree that it wouldn't be the right time to. To bring a new justice, except for two things happened uh, in and around 2016. One sure. was we added, or 2018, I should say. Sorry, 2018. One was that we added new uh, Republican senators. We increased the amount of senators in mm-hmm. the in the Senate, and I think that one of the reasons that that happened. Very clearly it was the treatment of Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh. I think when we saw that the left had no bottom, that they had no low that they wouldn't sink to, and then the answer from the American people was, "Okay, we're going to have more, more uh, conservatives representing the Republican Party in the Senate." To me, yeah. that just says that just says the American people don't want more of those sham hearings. They they want. Sure. More conservative justices. I think I there's think a lot to say here. Happened, so.
1: I think there's a lot to say here, and I think we'll probably come back to it on next week's show. But Christian, oh, yeah. I think I think it's time for us to get into the what I would like to call the meat and potatoes of this week's show.
2: Maybe that should be the name of the segment. You feeling it? You feeling it, Hunter? Okay, you've no? been that's all fine. up in my meat and potatoes ever since we started this episode in the backseat. Oh my
1: god! Oh my god! I I <laughs> um, I cannot. Here's
3: a little. A little political. I like tater tots. They're they're pretty good. Oh my god, like tater, oh tater tots! My god. Great tato.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah, Here's the like thing, thing, though. <laughs> You're welcome. <hot dog. laughs> um, I'm gonna teach you guys a little bit, a little political
1: science, okay? Uh-huh. Veto. <laughs> Go ahead, honey. <laughs> uh, so, this week we're looking at where do our rights come from: government or God? And I think we're kind of taking that, of course, from the American perspective. We're going to do some looking at the Constitution and some other documents from America's founding. In addition to that, we're going to probably take a few Bible verses and go around and look and see what's there. Um, To be frank with you guys, um, when this topic kind of got thrown out, I was a little curious about how it was actually going to work out uh, because the Constitution really doesn't say that much. Uh, And I should say that probably a little better, like, Constitution proper is more like, well, how does does the system of government work? Um, But I think when you kind of take into context the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the uh, natural uh, right philosophy kind of going on at the time, I think the picture becomes a little bit um, fuller in that respect. So, Hmm. yeah, I kick it off with that.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and one thing that I want to say before we get started, and that I want to hear sure. everyone else's take on this question, is that this is this is a timely question. It's important to discuss this topic now specifically because we're seeing two very separate ideologies um, yeah. re- represent and manifest themselves as to the answer to this question: is, Do our rights come from the government? And should we look to the government to provide us for for all of the things that we might need? Are they mm-hmm. the the grantor and guarantor of our ability for to pursue life, liberty, happiness, et cetera, ad nauseum? And or yeah. do our rights pre-exist government? Do they come from something greater than that? And I think that there are the, the two opposing ideological political factions both represent one of those camps. Maybe. Maybe. I have some more thoughts on that that I'll share later. But anyhow, let's kick it off. Who wants to take
2: first stab? I will, man. Ooh. Um. Oh, Nick, sorry. Was that you taking it? No, go for it, Ben. All righty, buddy. I, I, the thing I love about this topic is how broad it is, right? It's It's incredibly widely encompassing. And I'm just going to almost zoom out um before we zoom in and when i sat down to think about this i talk about this on our podcast all the time the thinking is asking yourself questions right thinking is almost having a debate with yourself so that's kind of how i try to do it i literally write when i think about a serious topic for any length of time and as i sat down to to write about this topic i was kind of mind blown realizing oh my gosh No one ever talks about this. This is one of the most foundational parts of of society, of our world, and I've never had a conversation with someone about where my rights come from, or even what are rights. We need to define it before we move forward. It's something we're owed, something that we deserve to have. And this isn't a conversation that ever gets talked about. And I think if you walked around and asked 100 different people, what are your rights, you would get 100 different answers. And I think we're going to get into that. I think we're going to get into, you know, positive or negative rights, because that definitely has implications. We're going to get in, like, that's why I think the abortion place was a, was a fantastic area to start, because the language you hear on the, the left, like, what do they call themselves? Pro-choice, Right. And and what do the people on the right say? Pro life, and it's it's almost like no one disagrees with choice, but also no one disagrees with life. So the words don't really mean anything. So what are your rights? I saw a headline on CNN literally today. That's or sorry, it might not have been CNN. It was it was a left wing news outlet. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but it They're said all something CNN to the at a certain point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> one of the CNNs essentially said something to the tune of. Um, Amy Coney Barrett is going to take your right to an abortion away. And I was like, oh my gosh, that what a fantastic choice of words for the podcast I'm about to do um, with my fantastic cousins today. Um,
0: No, you're right. That's so so interesting. I was actually asking several people as I prepared for the show, just the question, just the topic to see what they thought, you know, where do your rights come from? And you know, you're so right. The place that most people got stuck up wasn't with, well it, it, is it government is it god is it some other third thing where they got stuck up is what are my rights you know yep. what are natural rights and i think that that's super that's super important to get into um
1: i, I think nick if yeah. you don't
0: shut up i swear
2: <laughs> you've been so rambunctious so classic I'm gonna,
3: you know I'm i gonna just pitch, I, yeah sure Go i'll ahead. take it um i uh, just to piggyback off what ben was saying um Yeah, I sat down and was thinking about this and asked myself some questions as far as, like, what is a right? And not only how do we define it, but who defines it? You know, like, if we're going to just say what it is, who's to say what it is? Um, And where do we go to define our rights? For me, there were only really two options um, that I'm sure we'll get into. But for me, like, one of the big questions I had in my mind is, who the heck is qualified to even answer this question? You know, like, who's qualified to define a right and then appropriate rights? Um, if one Hi, Nick. My name not, is Ben. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if, if one person's not able to do it solely, like, maybe we sometimes forget that a government yeah. is made of many people. So, like, right. you know... To me, there are obvious limitations. I'm really excited to talk about it. But, yeah, man, like the questions are the questions are pretty real.
0: You know, that's so – like Barack Obama said the government is us, right? Maybe one person can't enumerate the rights, but it seems reasonable, at least in a, the theoretical, that a conglomeration of humans organized in a specific fashion could. Maybe a right is – one answer could be maybe a right is an agreement made by people – defined by a certain border um i don't think that's a good answer but it's it's reasonable that people don't would get there
2: so it is man i oh sorry go ahead uh, i was just gonna say draw I, the borders yeah, yeah who agrees to that and, and <laughs> right. uh, this, yeah, man. this is where it starts to break down so go ahead ben at the end of the day they're made up i, I couldn't get past that I kept trying to find a decent argument that would support something other than a deity having created rights. And every time I came to the place, okay, what if you had a, a conglomerate of people, kind of like you were saying, Chris uh, and Nick? That's a really interesting idea. But at the end of the day, the rights are made up. They might be something you like, but at the end of the day, it's it's make-believe. It's just, well, I guess I'm going to pretend that you have these and we will behave in such a way so that it is so.
3: Unless unless, Um, because I have a physics background that makes me ask this question, unless they're discoverable, they're either created or discoverable. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Like with, with science, because we're talking like, you know, the, 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 a big push for today is empiricism and data and like science. And we need to apply the scientific method to everything. Okay. Well, who there's data. There's like a piece of information, but then also in the science world, there's an interpretation of that information and they're not always the same thing. So, um, we forget that piece. It's so like, it's, it really sounds, I don't know, but to me, I don't know about what you guys think. To me, it sounds like a really circular question that somebody needs to just stomp on the bug and answer it, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at.
0: That's I and mean, Ben, we talked about this a lot in the previous episode that we had you on, where we were discussing, you know, where what it, what is truth? Where does truth come from? Is there such a thing as beauty? And we talked a bunch about uh, the Platonian and Aristotelian ideas surrounding uh, the form of a, a given thing. It's not scientifically discoverable, but it's it, he, those great thinkers treated it as real. And I think we're at a certain we're At the same place in this conversation to start with. Any rights made up by any confederation of humans is going to be subjective, right? So the question becomes, are rights something that's fundamental to every organizing government, by the way? Uh, Are they something that are just subjective and manifested? Or are they, is there something deeper there? Are there actually rights embedded into the organization of the universe that maybe can't be discovered empirically but are real nonetheless. I I, I would argue that there are. And and that kind of gets us into the conversation about positive and negative rights. So, for instance, in the vast majority of countries the world over, you have positive rights, enumerated positive rights, which is when a government comes along and says, hey, by the way, you have the right to life. You have the right to speech, and the the impetus for you having that right is that the government granted it to you, that mm-hmm. the government is in charge, they can set the standards, and they've granted you this right. On the other hand, a negative right, and th- these are the type of rights that are listed in the Bill of Rights, for instance, they're prohibitations on the governing body that tell them what they can and cannot due to the citizenry. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the right to, let's say the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, it's not the government gives you the right to bear arms. It's that they will not infringe on your right. They won't abridge your right to bear arms. And that's super important because it says, it starts to peel back the corner on what the founders believed when they wrote the constitution they wrote the bill of rights where they thought those rights came from instead of saying hey we're the government we're in charge here and we'll grant you the right to bear arms they said you have the right to bear arms we're not going to touch it and and it's it's an interesting philosophical distinction that actually does matter in our interpretation of the law and the way that we organize our society so
3: yeah i want to second that it absolutely does matter it seems like such a nuance you know i'm I'm running into these things in life that seem so nuanced, but, but understanding them matters so much. Like, If you view the government, the Constitution as something restraining the government from infringing on and violating your rights, then you have a proper view of the Constitution according to our founders. Mm-hmm. But if you view it as a document that enumerates your rights and gives you your rights and defines your rights for you, then you have, congratulations, an incorrect view of the Constitution <laughs> from the founder's perspective, and you have a modern, humanistic view of the Constitution. Healthcare is the human so, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gunshot noise. So so it's important, I think, you know, regardless of what you really believe about it, I think it's important to go back with any document and find out what did the people who created this really think? What 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 was going through their mind when they wrote it? Because we still have, we're still operating in their product, you know? Absolutely.
0: And Hunter, you said that you did some of your research focused around that question. So maybe you can share some insight with us here.
1: Yeah, I think, um, to me, I think, I've kind of been listening and thinking about this idea around why it's hard to define and hard to find. You know, why people don't talk about rights and things of that nature. Um, And to me, the thing that kind of keeps coming back to me is because I think like the Hobbesian, Nietzschean, uh, American um, anarchist ideas are just more believable on their face, right? Which is to say that the only rights that you really have are those that you can place upon each other. Right. The only way that I actually have any right to the land that I'm on is the fact that I can protect it from other people who would try to take it from me sort of idea. That's actually a pretty easy idea to like buy into. Uh, uh, excuse me. That's a pretty easy right to buy into because it's provable, right? Like, There's an actual yeah. consequence there. It's like if you try to take my land away from me, I will prevent it with force, right? Um, right. Now... I think the reason why like natural rights um, and what we could sometimes call divine rights, um, which gets really interesting to think about like how John Locke and all those other guys like necessarily thought about those is what is the source of all that? Um, You know, because if they didn't necessarily come from, if they came from nature, I think that, I I don't know if I necessarily follow that argument. Um, it it kind of creates this. Well, because then I think the the idea of like the will to power is actually more um, believable and more mm-hmm. it fits m- more in tune with like Occam's razor and things like that. You know what I mean?
0: Well, yeah. And and there's this interesting there's this interesting side road here that we'll go down as far as we need to to look at a couple of the street sides and then come back. I think, but. Right. Basically what you're getting at, Hunter, is there are – that depending on the way that you identify this, if you say that the rights just rise up out of nature and therefore out of our biology, out of our evolution, if our rights are encoded somewhere and are in the makeup of uh, the random chance that some would say is humanity, well, then Mm -hmm. you're getting into this uh, very uh, pink – like this pinker style – natural morality right yes i actually am saying that
1: that and the fact that that's just easier to believe than 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 the alternative you see the alternative
0: being the alternative alternative being being that there's like
1: a divine thing that gives that right gives rise to those rights because i think one of the reasons that it's difficult for us to talk about it in our culture is because that we're kind of getting at first is like it's just so much more you have to do so much less work to buy into that idea you get my point there's like i've seen people who face. are sorry
0: I, I said maybe on its face yes yes that's and my I,
1: point is like it's like it's so much easier to sell people on the idea that haven't you seen someone who is strong to take stuff from people who are weak you know what i mean and it's like oh well yeah that that makes sense you know and it's just like simplistic in the way that it's provable
0: Oh, I see. Okay, so I was going a different yes. direction. I understand where you're going now. Is that yes the right? Well, you're you're actually arguing that there are no rights. That there's only survival. <laughs> the right to power. Right. That, right. Yeah. right. Survival yeah. of the fittest. Okay, that's not. I don't think that's like a Pinker style natural morality th- argument. That's something else no, entirely. No, no, no. Which is which is that there are rights. The other option for rights arising naturally, so either right. there, there is only power, right, which, right. by the way, that is a guiding philosophy for some of the people that would say that the government is the provider of rights, that right. the government is an organization, Absolutely. it's a collection of power, and then they, because it's a collection of power, they have the ability, they have the might makes right to grant rights to us regulars, us normies. Mm-hmm. However, on the other side, you could say that you have the right to life because it arose naturally out of our biology. That's like a pinker-based natural morality argument. Correct. Which to me, to me, is less believable than either alternative. We've talked about natural natural morality before and the philosophy yes. behind it, that it arises out of out of our well, out of our biology and each person's independent, independent experience of the universe, and that mm-hmm. it's real, but it's it's subjective, but universal. And I I've never found that argument to be, to be very compelling because subjective and universal doesn't don't coincide. And that's really the fatal flaw of the secular humanist natural
2: morality philosophies out there. I think mm-hmm. I totally but. agree. I think it. I think all those philosophies lean very heavily on innate ideas, on feelings, on a gut leaning towards something. Whenever you read any of those authors, they're going to say something to the tune of, in this village, in this obscure place, this awful warlord did this horrible thing to these children. And how horrible is that? And don't you just innately know, this is kind of, Sam Harris does this all the time, and kind of... He will say, don't you innately know that that is wrong? That that does not produce well-being for a society? And it's like, that's a big presupposition that you're making there. Right. Like his whole argument is based on, but don't you just naturally know? And he and the thing is, he's right. You do just naturally know. But the thing is, the argument has no legs. And you, how can you
0: disambiguate that from the argument that there's a deity?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and it's impossible. The other
0: the other side to that argument is that it's right because it maximizes human flourishing, and that's absolutely yep. not obvious. Uh, it's a nice thing Couldn't to say. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. There's so many definitional issues with how do you define human flourishing, and human flourish. Do, do, can one human flourish enough for two people, and therefore would it be right to kill one and take their stuff? So you've you've it, kept net zero flourishing but, yep. but there's half the people like, there, there's so many constructual issues with that kind of
2: philosophy but uh, facts are made up so it's fine
1: yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah man it leans really heavy on gut feelings and I think the beauty of the ideas that we're about to bring in is that we can actually put some likes to it
0: precisely and, and so to that, maybe it's time now I've got a couple, just a couple things that I want to read because the fun part, like Nick mentioned earlier about the American system, is we don't have to guess, um, and you really don't have to go far. I'm going to read just a couple of lines, if you don't mind uh, from the Declaration of Independence, and, and of course the Declaration of Independence isn't the Constitution but you'll notice there's significant overlap with the crowd that wrote the Declaration of Independence and the <laughs> Constitution actually, and uh, We'll just read the first couple lines of the Constitution as well, and I'll make my case for why the Constitution was nothing more than a vehicle to ensure the principles laid out in the Declaration of Independence would eventually be realized. So it starts. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So what that means, breaking down the beginning of the Declaration a little bit, they say that the rights come from the creator. And the only reason that government exists, the, uh, this is what they say after the life, liberty, and uh, pursuit of happiness parts, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. The reason government exists is not to award rights and make society better and these sorts of things. Governments exist to secure for the governed the rights that God has given them. It's a powerful idea and very different than the secular humanist idea we are just bandying about. And then if you flip over to the Constitution for a second, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity, doored in and established this Constitution for the United States of America. They set up a government. It's that simple. Governments are created to defend the rights that come from God. Constitution says, Here's our government. So I think it's very clear, especially when you look at the authorship, which Google it, I think it's very clear that (laughs) the Constitution is a document that is attempting to achieve the goal of securing the rights for the governed that are given to them by God.
2: And we have to pause there, Chris, and just say, what an absolutely radical, bizarre, never-before-said thing that that is like an absolute miracle that it actually wound up being a foundational document for for a country and and granted there were there were whispers of it before i get that like Mm -hmm. hunter and i mentioned the mat we were talking off air about the magna carta things like that where there were whispers of this before but those seem to be more of i don't know pacifying in nature like the magna carta was um, there was a terrible king in England in the 1200s, and he really pissed off everyone underneath him, and they were going to rise up and overthrow the monarchy. So he's like, have some rights. Merry Christmas. It wasn't like, <laughs> hey, we have God-given inalienable rights. And this is absolutely foundational, and we we almost can't think of rights without thinking of what the Declaration says about rights. And And again, to be super 50,000-foot view here, I think we have to note that. Because growing up in the modern West, we just assume that we have rights. Rewind 500 years and no one just assumed they had rights because they had whatever the king told them that they had. And that was true for all of human history. So we kind of need to recognize that we have some, I I, I don't know if cultural bias is the right word, but definitely cultural influence baked into our cake here, that we assume that this is right. And it is an absolute miracle that this got penned at all.
0: Well, we're certainly living at not only a singular time in history, but even a singular time in our own geography. I mean, you don't have to go very many hundreds of miles north or south or east or west or any combination of those to find a government that does not organize itself this way. Even today, you know, even, even in what, you know, the modern west, go to the UK, you don't have enumerated rights. The writers of the Magna Carta didn't go far enough and, and they didn't live up to its principles and of course yep. there's been times when we haven't lived up to the principles of our own constitution here as well but you go to Canada they don't have these rights. You go to Australia they don't have these rights. New Zealand the list continues so you're absolutely right yeah. this, is, this is a completely singular way of organizing your government and, and for determining the purpose of your government and we should look at the efficacy of that and, and why they why the founders came up with that idea.
2: And it's worth all the Tim yeah, Hortons I... kangaroos and hobbits <laughs> that any of those other countries that you mentioned have. So US baby
0: I get it because Tim Hortons is from Canada, kangaroos are from Australia, and everyone in Great Britain looks like a hobbit.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Nick, I cut you off buddy. Wow. No, no, you're great. Um, yeah, for me, you know, it, it really was a question of authority for the founders, but it still is for us as far as this idea of where do rights come from? What are our rights? Um, to me, it, it just feels innately like an appeal to or a quest to some authority figure, right? Because if you have rights, then you have the backing of something or someone. Um, and not only do you have the backing of that entity, whatever that is, um, but you also have a confidence that comes with that and a security that comes with that. Mm. And for the people of, you know, and a, and a feeling of being in the right, um, certainly on the right side politically, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying, um, Sorry for those not- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't kidding. apologize to them on um, this show. You can do that on Reclaiming Reality. Wrong show. Okay, I'll be more ruthless this <laughs> next time. Um, but yeah, like so they had the divine right. The country right kings, is ruthless right? back, as of a few nights back ago. When...
0: <laughs> Ayo! Oh, no, Ben, you... no. I'm just uh, kidding. We're, we're leaving that uh, in and turning the
3: volume up at that part. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they had the divine right of kings, which they used this, the Bible, you know, the passages on um, the the kings being the governing authorities of the people and the government, and saying that basically the kings were appointed by God, and that everything they said went. And so that left a lot of room for some devastation, because if you had a bad king, you had a bad time, you know? Um, but what kind of got me in going through this a little bit and I I hope I'm not veering us off down the wrong block here. That's why the
0: podcast is recorded in a car.
3: Right. Oh, that's perfect. We're, we're, oh man, this is great. Um, Ben is afraid of my (laughs) so We're just gonna, we're just gonna continue this trend. (laughs) I have good Um, reason to be. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I won't deny that. Um, but yeah, so I don't even know where I was going with that, but it just seems like an, an appeal to authority uh, for yeah. me, and so I, I think that that's just a really big. Part I think of you're a hundred percent right,
0: and I think I think that we'll get into it more, but I think that even those who would claim that it's not an appeal to authority aren't being critical of what they're doing. Um, yeah, I think I think maybe now. We we know that the founders. I mean, it's pretty clear in their own writing that the founders um, were were focused on uh, on defending the idea that our rights preexisted the American government. Actually, uh, Alexander Hamilton, who everyone's been fawning over since uh, Disney purchased the rights to their little their little song, Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, hmm. It's funny to me, and I, I was mentioning this before the show, but I'll repeat it: is that I, I think it's hilarious that there's so many, you know, liberal uh, Fruit Loops that are all about Alexander Hamilton because of this musical. And don't get me wrong; it's it's a quality quality piece of work.
3: Have they read Have they read yeah. the Federalist? <laughs> they would papers? hate him. Everything <laughs> like, that they try and do. this like, guy. <laughs> I, I actually did. I actually oh, want to man. read Federalist
0: 84 because I think it's super important, and you know, we've got some time, so maybe. Let's read Federalist 84 together because it is... uh, It it talks specifically about what we've been having this discussion about and then maybe transition into why the founders arrived at that idea. Um, And and I'd like to get into some scripture before long. uh, Absolutely. Before Jesus comes back himself.
2: Sweet. right, so
0: I'm just going (laughs) to read. It's quite short. It has been several times truly remarked that the Bill of Rights are, in their origin, stipulations between kings and their subjects. Abridgment's of prerogative in favor of privilege. Reservations of rights not surrendered to the prince. Such was Magna Carta, obtained by the baron's sword in hand from the King John. It is evident, therefore, that according to their primitive signification, they have no application to constitutions professedly founded upon the power of the people and executed by their immediate representatives and servants. Here, in strictness, the people surrender nothing, and as they retain everything, they have no need of particular reservations. We, the people of the United States, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Here's a better recognition of of popular rights than volumes of those aphorisms which make the principal figure in several of our state bill of rights and which would sound much better in a treatise of ethics than in a constitution of government. I go further and affirm that bill of rights in the sense and in the extent in which they are contended for are not only unnecessary in the proposed constitution but would even be dangerous. And this is the key part. The bill of rights would be dangerous in the constitution, I love this idea. They would contain various exceptions to powers which are not granted, and on this very account would afford a colorable pretext to claim more than were granted. For why declare that things shall not be done which there is no power to do? Why, for instance, should it be said that the liberty of the press shall not be restrained when no power is given by which restrictions may be imposed? I will Mm -hmm. not contend that such a provision would confer a regulating power, but it is evident that it would furnish to men disposed to usurp a plausible pretense for claiming that power. So in this this article, referencing the Magna Carta and its shortcomings, and talking about the distinction between those other unifying documents and the Constitution of the United States is, is such a brilliant idea, Hamilton lays out. The reason that the rights aren't enumerated in the actual Constitution is because we didn't want any of our rulers to get the idea that they had they had the power to provide those rights. It was critical to leave them excuse me, it was critical to leave them out in in Hamilton's estimation, because no one should be even asking the question. It was obvious that the government didn't yeah. have the power enumerated in the Constitution to affect those natural rights, and for that purpose, for that purpose, leave them out entirely and don't make it an issue. It's, it's a brilliant political idea, and it's a, a like you were mentioning, Ben. It's a complete shift from the traditional constitutional document of its day. I think this is. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and and mm-hmm.
3: furthermore, and furthermore, what. What was implied there is that if it's not explicitly stated, then yep. it's not a right, right that the government has. Like, I think that, I think that that's what, where the shift in thinking would have happened with, you know, a publishing, if you will, the Bill of Rights and, and adding it into that whole continuum there, because it would have given the people the implication that, well, the Constitution outlines my rights, but in reality it limits the government's rights. And I think it's important that we understand that if it's not explicitly stated, it doesn't belong to the government. You know, I think Um, that's why
1: you can definitely see the influence from this federalist paper and this idea, find its way into amendment nine, which is the enumeration of the constitution of certain rights should not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people and Hmm. not old man speech. That just basically means just because we didn't say it doesn't mean you don't have it, you know, Right, And so like you can definitely and I feel like that was in the whole like eventually how the Bill of Rights got written essentially was just that guarantee that the language there is to say essentially we didn't need to write this you know it doesn't change it doesn't change the essence of what it is. This is just beginning to clarify some of the boundaries that we already know government can't touch and just in case we missed any here's Amendment 9 you know. Um, I, and this is where I think, I think. Oh, go ahead, Hunter. Sorry. I think I think this is like a, just a a difficult idea to find, like the foundation to essentially, which I think was going to lead into what you were about to say, Chris.
0: Well, I was I was going to say that I think that I think that one of the this is where I part ways with some conservatives in their constitutional philosophy or their political philosophy is that mm-hmm. you know they'll say things like, well, there's no right to privacy. Um, when they're arguing against things like uh, abortion Ruby or Wade. contraception, different things sure, like it's that. It's not right? one
1: of the, it's not one of the 10 baby.
0: Yeah. And that's where I'm like, mm, it actually there is because there's nothing to limit it. Now there are things that limit our privacy in right. the bill of rights, you know, about what you can't, can't and can't do and in the constitution exactly. But yeah. I, you know, <laughs> to, to be honest, yes, there is. And we need to start, I think uh, defending our political philosophy in that way, because it's so essential that, Uh, that we make sure that these are restrictions on the government. Nick, I love that you keep harping on that, that these are restrictions on the government and not powers to the people. It's critical. So I think we've laid the groundwork for that fairly well. The U.S. is singular in its construction as far as its founding documents are concerned, and the founders had a deep-seated belief that rights preexisted government, and they came from nature and more importantly, God. the God of Nature, yeah, Nature's God, exactly. And you know, we're a, a religious show as well as a political one. I think it's worth our while to dive into where they got that idea. And I've been doing some study over the weekend, and I, I think there's some really fantastic big ideas here. Now, the difficulty, and Hunter, you've mentioned this before the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to find rights in the bible because it doesn't specifically discuss them correct Uh, yeah yeah so maybe i and i know we were all kind of searching for answers this time around so i I just want to open up the floor who thinks they've got a, a a 40 or 20 i can't remember my trucker speak who thinks they have a 20 on where rights are found in the bible put me in coach
2: go get it okay sweet Wow. Um, okay, so, Chris, we talked about this a little bit off air, and I I, I know a little bit of what you're going to dig into, so I'm going to try to steer clear of that, because I'm pumped to hear you dig into it. Um, okay. One of the, the parts of the Bible that really stood out to me was something the founders talk about, was that we are made in the image of God. And that's like a good starting place, because... I've heard the term spark of divinity thrown around a lot, right? Like there's a little piece of God inside of us. There's something God-like about us, which gives us value. And I think the, the piece of the Bible that translated that into how to structure society is Genesis 9, verse 6. And I got it pulled up in front of me. And it just says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by, his, by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. So it's saying, Mm -hmm. hey, there is something valuable to man. So if you violate that value, other people have the right to do harm to you, which is really similar to the right to self-defense, which we were talking about earlier, which is really similar to the right to defend your property, which also explains things like don't steal because you're violating something from someone who is made in the image of God. And this verse is just so freaking big to me because it says people made in the image of God deserve to be treated with a certain amount of respect. Now, exactly where the lines to that respect are drawn, I think we can, we're going to keep talking about. But to me, that's like the the big, 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 massive, over overarching message of you are made in the image of God and thus deserve to be treated a certain way by other people.
3: Yeah, Yeah, and just to give you some more, if you don't mind if I take it from Ben, just to give you some more context for for that argument, Ben, or not context, but just to kind of go off of that, um, I don't think that the Bible explicitly states your rights. I'm interested to see what you guys say, um, Hunter and Chris, but um, you do see... Some kings in the Old Testament who are like, it was less of God enumerating their rights as it was being schwacked for doing what was bad in God's sight and then being honored and blessed for doing what was good in God's sight. So even to the government and the governing entity, which in the Bible's times was mostly a king or a ruler or an emperor or something or Pharaoh, that person was fundamentally. Fundamentally held accountable for the way that they treated their subjects, you know. So, I think the fear of God is a pretty good starting point, and the image of God and the fear of God are a pretty good starting point. I love the logical triangle
0: created by the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and the spark of divinity rests in the individual that man was created in the image of God. And then, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. It's I, I like that idea because wow. it's not it's not just about our rights are not our rights. I, I would I would agree with you, Nick. I don't know that each individual right is enumerated in the Bible. I have some thoughts about where they come from though, and we'll get into that in a second, but, but when you think about it that way, it's not that we have rights because we deserve them or because God gave them to us, but it's because the, that a piece of the infinite rests in every individual. Because they were created in the image of God, and to violate that person isn't violating God's creation, it's violating God himself. And Jesus told us that explicitly. And it's why, yeah. you know, you could go through the Ten Commandments, like, you should not steal, you should not murder, like, I have a right to life, I have a right to my property, etc. And that's a decent argument, but a better argument is that is that to, you violate the God of the universe and the orchestrator of the cosmos at your own risk. And because th- that's a scary thing to think about, but Yikes. here's the great part: is that he's right here too, in your own chest. And so he's he yeah. has not only given you that responsibility, but also given you the the protection afforded therefore. I think I think it's a wonderful triplicate of ideas to to consider.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I think um, the thing the kind of gets into that a little bit is the fact I think sometimes when we think about rights uh, it's very easy to make the jump to government structures um, because that's just in the context that we typically make them about however we've kind of had the conversation around this that that, that's the wrong frame well if rights predate government and they are something that comes from uh, nature, nature's god then what's the better frame to think about them through and i think i think the aspect that kind of gets at the as close as possible is the right frame is something akin to morality right and yeah i think that's kind of where most of your discussions were heading to essentially was like you know well why should you treat the least of these well well because there's god in him you know and like why should you not shed blood well because there's um there there's divinity in that person that you're attacking. Why does the king need to respect the populace? Well, it's because, you know, there's a moral imperative to not treat them poorly. And so I think, like, to me, like, the eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the moment where mankind began to discover morality. It's the moment where mankind began to discover what these rights were that he owed the rest of mankind in a sense, right? Um, You're right on, right on. Oh, I am I? Okay, cool. And so like, I think this is why actually like, and this is a new idea I've been thinking about a little bit, is why Cain is actually far more of an evil character than Adam and Eve, right? Because mm-hmm. Adam and Eve didn't have any context for what they were doing. They were ignorant and naive, right? right? But Cain knew full well what he was doing, and I think. Well, go ahead. I, I you know, and we've talked
0: about this before, and I probably I probably catch some disagreement from um, I wouldn't even say the more fundamentalist, but the more um, the more strict textualist interpretations of Genesis three. But right. I truly don't believe that man and woman. I don't believe that humanity was created. Until they took a bite of the apple, I th- at least not in the way that we understand them now. It it opened sure, our I eyes, what, and I, ma- what I think, you're trying to say I, think like I, human, I think specifically, human. I would say nature, that specifically the thing that made us in God's image was our understanding of right and wrong. Um, hmm. I the don't think interesting idea. He he gave us free will before, but I don't think he finished us until we took a bite of the apple. I think that was his final breaststroke. Yeah. And I'm gonna make a case for that in a second, but
2: no go ahead yeah
1: and... so i I think that's cool, but that that's kind of like in a nutshell why I think like you know you can blame Adam and Eve, sure I mean if that if that makes you happy and sleep better at night, go for it but but I think like Cain's the first the first human being to say, no, I don't care, I don't care what's right to do, I don't care that you know, my brother Abel has any right to live. I'm going to steal that because because it's convenient for me. And I think that's the spirit that you act, that, that's really where rights and all that come down to is like who, who do you let win in your own soul to some extent? And I think the rest of the Bible in a lot of sense in the rest of our lives and the rest of our relationship with Christ are discovering what that is. You know, I don't think necessarily like the Bill of Rights in and of itself and the Rights outlined in the America uh, Constitution are necessarily end product of that goal, right? That's something more like kingdom come, you know. Sure. Um, uh, so anyway, oh,
0: that's that's such a good transition, Hunter. Boom! Right. I did it. What brings in paradise? What right? Right? What right, right. Ushers in the utopia. Oh, I see. What that's you're going. the cool. key. Yeah. And this is where we're going to go with this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah John yeah. John Adams said, and it's a great point. Our Constitution was made only for a moral, which I love that you brought it there, Hunter, and religious Mm -hmm. people. It is Mm -hmm. wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What that means is that your rights, the the Constitution and its limiting on the powers of government, require responsibility on the part of those that it governs. And you know what? This is actually true of all rights. Rights require responsibility. Responsibility without rights right. is it leads to chaos and it's very easy to see how that happens. The right to drive without the responsibility of being safe while you drive leads to mayhem carnage and and people even with the responsibility, even when the government comes around with its big government gun and says don't drive drunk, people do it anyway because because they have the right to transport themselves in a giant flying metal machine, not flying literally, flying isn't very fast. But they don't take the responsibility to exercise that right without infringing on other people's rights, just like Cain and Abel. I think that – I love what you said about why is Cain the bigger evil or why do we perceive it as the bigger evil. Well, my take is that because original sin was original for all of us. Humans, as we understand them today with the human condition, they they sinned before they committed that – before they were completely human as we would understand it today. It was original for them, like it's original for us. And you guys might disagree with that. I know that's kind of a smoked out way to picture it. But we didn't have our (laughs) eyes opened. We weren't humans that we understand today. We er Mm -hmm. weren't humans that would have the idea, hey, I could kill my brother, until the moment that we took that bite. And so it's it's strange to consider them humanity. I would say that you at least would have to agree that they weren't human in the way that we understand them now. And I do think that since God has perfect knowledge of good and evil. When he says made in his image, he means made with his spirit. And part of that, part of that, I, b- I truly right. believe is our recognition of good and evil, the knowledge that we got from eating from the tree. John Adams and says our constitution is made for a moral and religious people. Rights require responsibility. And then when the founders go to enumerate what rights were given to us by nature and nature's God, it was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These three things, okay. Let's go to Genesis 2. So, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then God becomes the first anesthesiologist and does plastic (laughs) surgery on Adam, which we don't have to get into now I want to come back. The serpent comes, right? Crafty, tempts mm-hmm. the woman, says, eat of the tree that you were told not to eat of. Why would the, why would the serpent be tempting the woman unless she had free will? Right. right? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's it doesn't apocryphal, make sense. maybe it's flowery, maybe it's poetic, maybe it's not literal. My, thi- my thinking is that she had th- free will. And when God sat Adam down and said, hey... You can eat from the tree, but you shall not eat from the tree. Here's your right, and here's your responsibility, and the responsibility was freedom. You might call it liberty. Okay, so they go, take a bite of the apple, and what happens next? We're naked. Sorry about being naked. How do you know you're naked? Oh, crap. And then God (laughs) says this. To the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all days of your life. I will put, and this is key, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, you have to go make a sandwich, and it's <laughs> going to really hurt when you have a baby, and some different stuff. And man's your boss. Uh, I don't know why we let them vote. And to Adam, he said, it's a joke, Media Matters. It's a joke. Okay, we're reading the Bible right now. Have some decency.
1: Have <laughs> some decency, Media Matters. Get Honor my dying
0: bones. wish. My dying wish is that you would stop. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Oh my
3: okay.
0: God. And, then Adam, and to Adam, he said, and this is key, too. This is key. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Soak ye, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of dust you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Okay, right there we have three things, and I think this is killer. We have three points. one. God gave Adam liberty, and he gave Eve liberty at the beginning. He said, you can eat from it. You have the free will to eat from it, but you shouldn't. Then he told the serpent, you'll be at enmity with man. You will bite his heel, and he will bruise your head. What is that? It's a struggle. It's self-defense.
2: Crush his head, just to throw that out there. That's important for the narrative.
0: God's saying, hey, my perfect creation... My perfect creation, because of what happened here this day, you have, you have the right to destroy part of it that would do you harm. Mm. It's an insane thing, kind of. I mean, when you, when, you, when you really think about what Eldritch Cthulhu God is saying to these little creatures that he made, these little pawns on his chessboard, wow. what he's saying is that you get to destroy something that I made if it would challenge your existence, if it would try and take you out. Right. Mm, Self-defense. That's fascinating. And I've never that. What is that it. other than the right to life? You have the right to protect your own life. And then finally, and this one's so key, you work the field, you eat of, the, of its fruits. You, you eat labor. of the fruit of your labor. You have a right yep. to your labor right from the beginning. And a right to your labor is the right to pursue, not the right to achieve happiness. And so when and, I... Look at what the Ah. founders put into that document. It it beautifully mirrors what we see here in Genesis 2 and 3. I think that the rights that are natural rights, Hmm. not only were given to us by God, but given at the exact moment that humanity sprung forth into the abyss that is the earth, at the moment that we were finished, at the moment that God finished polishing us and said, now, now you're ready to receive my grace. Now you're ready to receive my forgiveness. At that moment, he gave us our natural rights. That's my
2: take. I mean, obviously, there's a million things that we could dig into there. That, that was fantastic, and I enjoyed every bit of it. I, I also read through the, the Genesis 1 yeah. through 3 creation stories and falls, and one of the things that I kind of got, I don't know if stuck on is the right word, but I couldn't get past. There's such an interesting relationship between a punishment, a responsibility, and a right. Like right. Those mm-hmm. things are kind of all intricately tied together. Because on one hand, God is saying, hey, man, now you have to work the field. That's your punishment. But on the other end, it's, oh, now I have the right to work the field. Now right. I, I have a responsibility to do something. And I think that's the difference between God didn't say, all right, Adam, and now I'm throwing you in the lake of fire. Because that's what he deserved, (laughs) right? According to the biblical narrative, that's what he deserved. Now you're going to burn. Because that would be just a punishment. He said, no, 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 no. Now I'm going to give you something to do that is going to be hard. I'm going to add something to your life instead of taking everything away. I'm going to put something on your shoulders. I that is absolutely bizarre to me. I think
0: that's what John Adams was saying. Not because he wasn't saying that because of the way the Constitution is written, we're making a concession to the fact that it can only be used to legislate a moral people, to govern a moral people. It yeah. wasn't a it wasn't a consolation. It was a recognition of the fact that the universe is organized in such a way that rights require responsibilities. You have the and right beyond to defend that, your- it's
2: also that only a religious people can acknowledge that they are getting those rights from a god and if you don't think that the rights come from a god now the power is vested in the government and if the power is vested in the government then the rights can be whatever you damn well please
0: and this is where i think this is where i wanted to go yep we know in our souls where our rights come from it's not a question everybody and i mean everybody believes that rights come from god The problem that we have now is that we have a people that aren't religious. Yep. Government doesn't give you your rights unless you think government is God. That's where we started this whole topic, Hunter. Who ushers in the utopia? Is it the government? Are they going to give you free health care? Are they going to give you free education? Are they going to give you free housing? Are they going to give you free food? Are they going to provide for your every need? Are they the sustenance upon which your soul can survive? Are we right. going to elevate them to the cosmos? Are they going to usher in the utopia? The answer is no. But when you look at what happened with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and the insane and. fallout, the, the religious fervor, when you look at the way that people talk about global warming and the absolute paganism that exists in that space where they discuss it with with all the emphatic necessity of the not the life and death struggle but the end of eternity struggle, that, that denotes a religious discussion. Yeah, These people have made government their God. Everybody believes that rights come from God. Every single yep. person. Yeah. It's just Absolutely. that we've entered into a stage now where, where politics is religion for a lot of people, and government is God, and heaven can be here on earth, and we don't need any help. And you know what that is? That is exactly the temptation that the snake gave to Eve in the garden. Precisely. Yes. It, the government... Barack Obama said that the government is us, that it's us, that we can bring in the utopia, that we can be God, and the snake said to Eve, eat of it, you'll be like God. The same temptation that got us in trouble back in the garden that created original sin is the temptation that's killing us now. We all believe that rights come from a God. We've got the wrong God. We've got the wrong God.
3: Dude, I... You are just... You are just speaking to me, man. That is, that's awesome. That is so true. Um, I actually, I was telling Ben briefly, and I I won't, I won't send us too far down this road, but um, I was talking to Ben briefly earlier before this podcast. And I was like, you know, man, I took a different angle on, on this. I actually started reading through the Mm. humanist manifestos one, two, and three. um, Because to me, the question of where your rights come from is a worldview question of how you see the world and who your authority figure is and who you decide that your authority figure is. And I actually wrote down on my notes, I do not bow my knees to the God of human progress. I bow my knees to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God. You can call me dogmatic. You can call me outdated, but he's the God that I worship. You can worship the God of the future of humankind. You can worship the God who wants to give you your fake idealistic utopian rights that aren't actually even real because nobody can sustain an oppressive form of government. You can worship that yep. God, but yep. I'm going to worship Jesus. And w- and what I saw was, you know, th- there's just so much here, but what I saw in this human ma- humanist manifesto, the first one of 1933, is 30, 30 thinkers came together and they wrote this and they said, we realize the importance of religion in the world, however... So there so it's not anti-religious. It's anti-theistic. Mm. So what they say is we we recognize the importance of religion in the world. We cannot deny that. <laughs> we know that it's fundamentally intrinsic to human nature to That this is what they say, right? But then they say instead of getting rid of it, we are creating a new one. They will ex- they explicitly and and many times implicitly say that they're creating a new religion called humanism which its main proponent is we will abandon the old traditional theistic I'm religions war, and create a new one. I'm against but I love one.
0: the army. So, essentially, <laughs> yeah. they... It's crazy. And, 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 you know, this is yeah. something we talk about on the show all the time. It, Marxism stands on the... Sho- especially neo-Marxism stands on the, the the shoulders of the humanist religion. Yeah, It's true.
3: Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is I was reading through this. I actually had to laugh out loud, and I was... I shortly almost cried afterward, but they, they rewrote it again in uh, 1973. They wrote the second version, and they said, we realize that we've been too optimistic about the human nature because World War II happened, because Pol Pot's genocides happened, because Mao Zedong's communist revolutions happened. They realized that government and knowledge can be used to oppress because mankind is bad and also good, but bad. And they wouldn't wow. acknowledge that in the first one, so they had to rewrite it. And then the third one they rewrote in 19—the the third one they rewrote in 2003, and they said, we're not going to take away what we said because we realize that this has to be a formal, formative, changing, moldable religion that mm. changes with the societal needs of the time because their mm. God mm. is yes. mankind. So it's just phenomenal, man. Um, who is, who is your Lord? What you religion do you follow? And what you're saying in the Genesis... Is in the words well, of Jesus. Exactly. The snake,
0: the snake never left us. He I just think, um, goes by different names.
3: Yeah.
1: Jimmy.
0: Uh, it's <laughs> me, Jimmy. It's
1: a snake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, us. You want, um,
2: you want a fruit basket? <laughs> I, a <snake. laughs>
1: I think the thing here that's so interesting is uh, it's better to give than to receive. And I think when you, any ideology, I think the easiest way to express it is an ideology is something that doesn't tell you the other side of the story. And when you only say that rights are something that you get, you know, that it's something to receive, essentially, you know, when the father essentially is cruel, you know, and there is no good aspect to him. I think the thing that, becomes so interesting is you get this when you decide to live your life in such a way that lives out the greatest commandment, the commandment that is like it and the action of dying on the cross, you change the paradigm of how you see all that stuff. You change the paradigm of how you interact with people. And it's no longer about what you can take and get in your own life. But it's what you can give. And the greatest part about that is if the whole world understood the idea that we have to take on each other's sin, if we mm. could get that through our heads, right? That is the greatest responsibility, which would lead to the greatest amount of rights, you know? Yeah. And I think the thing that's so interesting about that, too, is like it solves so many of the problems that you're trying to fix in your government today.
2: Yes. Right. Absolutely. And it this is how changes, you changes
1: culture. Right. Well, it changes. It changes both because there are problems with it. It changes the problems that are in capitalist societies. It changes the problems that are in communist societies. It changes. It unlocks all these things that are like being that are hidden right now, and that is that is the idea behind Kingdom Come. You know. Yeah. And so, I I think our job as Christians in a major way is not only just to speak the truth surrounding that but to disciple people who are christians to be able to live that out you know because i think if we are not engaging in that kind of concept we pale in comparison and we don't look like what the world needs to receive and mm-hmm. better yet we don't give to the world what we need to receive from it you know beautiful and yeah so beautiful it well, that, matters
0: that's the upshot Man, there's there's wisdom in our founding documents and it's because they're based on wisdom itself. And that's right. the fear of the fear of God. Uh, right. great discussion, man. Mm-hmm. It's been so much fun having reclaiming reality on the show. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and having this conversation. I'm to
2: be here, bud.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: excellent. We'll have to have you guys yeah, back this real has soon. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, also, please join us in our Carl Pulling ad read. That's right. Carl Pulling is now a real podcast. No, <laughs> not Squarespace real, but real enough. We've got our sponsor, hey. fnxfit.com. Um, I just like to share a personal story. Uh, I bought some of the, the sleeping uh, aids, the sleeping supplements that they have, because I don't sleep. I think we've probably talked about it a couple times on the show before. I usually sleep between two and a half to four hours a night. <laughs> I've taken them 3 times. Each each time I've gotten a full night's sleep. Literally, I was the most I was the most rested I've ever been in my entire life. Stuff works. Um so I I can go ahead and recommend that. Of course, do what's smart for you, do what's right for your body. Don't get addicted to herbal supplements, you idiot. What a lame oh, thing crutch. to get addicted to. I had to Our go change is my so whole stupid. life. Stupid. Getting <laughs> addicted is so to herbal stupid. supplements.
1: What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they've got a, about essential look, oils I, I
0: don't know if they're essential or non-essential what, okay sorry what is an essential oil i i haven't used one and here i am i think you oh. might like you keep using that word but i don't think it means what you think it means <laughs> yeah. uh, anyhow evanex fit they've got a bunch of great products i actually just got their apple cider uh, vinegar gummies in because i'm fat ass so apple nice. cider vinegar gummies we could get into it, Ben. That they they remove the insulin have, from your system, your which stops lipid transport. We'll talk about it some other time. But anyhow, uh, go... can I say a
2: quick thank you to the to the service just helping us all lose a little bit of weight so we could all fit in the back seat together? That's a round nice. of applause. So, like, that that's really kind absolutely. of um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's EvanXFit.com. Yeah, absolutely, you can
1: I've actually been our, gaining weight though. I've been chugging that protein powder. I can now bench like. I don't know, 45 pounds if I really <laughs> grunt. So, thank you, FNX Fit. For helping i a Hunter model grunt, for you.
0: Uh, <laughs> FNX
2: Fit supplements are how I got as tan as I am today.
0: Yep, yeah. and uh, a lot of you guys are already uh, engaging with our... <laughs>
3: <laughs> I also grew a couple inches. Height-wise. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Oh, man. So and, mm, oh yeah. wow, we're not sponsored yeah.
2: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because we're like, oh, no, uh, Nick
0: said it. Now we're not going to be sponsored. This isn't live. I'm putting it this up. Do your worst, FNX, for I shall do mine. Um, anyhow, <laughs> click the link in the description. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING uh, for 15%, 15 one five percent off your order. Uh, thank you very much, FNX Fit, for sponsoring us and partnering, partnering with us on this episode. Uh, past that, let's wrap it up. Guys, where can we find Reclaiming Reality?
2: Man, you can find us any freaking place you get your podcast. We are three buddies looking for some truth from a Christian perspective. Ben, Nick, and you haven't even heard Charles, who is the buffest out of the three of us. He looks like he's been taking a lot of FNX Fit supplements. (laughs) So anywhere you get your podcast. And we also have videos on YouTube if you would like to see our (laughs) semi-attractive faces.
0: Let me just put it, let me make a little pitch. Um... Their videos would do better than carpooling's. Okay, very attractive <laughs> group of guys. You're hey. gonna want to check it
1: out. Okay, hey, we've got. I'm counting. We have more beards than they do. That's I don't right. know what that's worth, but that's fair. I mean, yeah, yeah. It depends. It if you're mean. if
0: you like your men built for comfort, not for speed, carpooling's got a luxury leather <laughs> back seat for you, huh? That's um, right.
1: Look at this limousine. I could put a poodle in here. That's I not don't enough. even
0: want to know. You're like Epstein meets Dr. I Doolittle know. right now. I don't even know what to do with you. Um, That's amazing. Here's my anyways, Siamese cats. And are you guys on social media? <laughs> Tell your handle. We are, your, your handle. Oh,
2: thank you for that. Yeah, you can find us on the Instagram or the Facebook at Reclaiming Reality Podcast. And if you guys want to talk to us, send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. That's us. That's right, and if they'll have us,
0: uh, Hunter and I are hoping to get over on on, uh, their show pretty soon, do some cross-pollination, so that should be a blast. We'd Uh, love it. As far as we're concerned, carpooling.com. You can find all of our links, episodes, references there. You can follow the show at carpooling on Instagram and... Uh, the other one, Twitter. <laughs> and yeah, then Twitter. <laughs> we're, we're on Facebook at Carl Pulling podcast. Send us an email, carl at gmail.com. You can follow Hunter and I individually at Chris X Carl and emotional Carl on the socials respectively. That being said, um, go buy some fitness supplements. We've been spying on you with our NSA contact and you could use it. Seriously. You, I'm talking to you. It's
1: really uh, embarrassing.
0: Hunter, anything to leave the listeners
1: with? Um, Get out of the back seat, kids. We're home. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Can I say it, Chris?
3: (laughs) Get tested. Oh, thank God. My legs were cramped.